This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. So far we've talked about the importance of having and knowing our vision as a church. That's where we are this month and in, uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks talking about our vision in plain sight. And we've been talking about it and re- re- being reminded about it because vision leaks. And when we know our vision, however, and, and realize it, understand it, it energizes us as a church to carry out God's will and to carry out God's purposes. And, and we've talked about our vision here in our church. It means being a family uh, as a church, um, uh, a caring for and loving one another. In Christ, and last Sunday we we spoke about about being committed as a church to being never changing in our beliefs in the Bible, and uh, that that never changes. But at the same time, as a church, being ready to change as often as is needed in our in our methods in order to reach this generation. Now, the next part of our vision that we're going to cover today and, and go to speaks about our pursuit of being a church where everyone, and that means everyone, everyone and anyone who will make the commitment can grow in Christ, regardless of your age, regardless of your background. We want to be that church where we can say, and we want to be able to truly say, if you can't grow in Christ here at Nagshead Church, you can't grow anywhere. And that's our goal. That's our vision. Now, to become part of the Nagshead Church family, several things have to happen. And there are a number of you who have been attending. You're not a part yet. And uh, I just want to re- re- run over these really quickly. Several things have to happen to become part of this church family. Number one, you have to have a rebirth experience. That means there's been a time in your life that you can go back to and identify when by faith alone you, uh, you believed in Christ alone for your sins to be forgiven and to give you an eternal home in heaven. And that momentary act, it's just an act of faith, an act of belief, that momentary act enacted a one-time-for-all relationship with God. New birth. If you're going to be a part of Nag said Church, you have to have a new birth. You have to be a new creature in Christ. Secondly, you follow that new birth by following Christ's command to be baptized. Baptism that, that uh, is biblical as we understand the New Testament and how they taught and how they practiced baptism, baptism that is biblical never comes before faith. It it, it doesn't make any sense to be baptized and then sometime down the road later you come and believe in Jesus Christ. Every example, every single example in the New Testament of baptism always followed someone's belief, never preceded it. It's really, baptism is really is the first step that you and I as believers take after we have that, that, that new birth experience, that saving faith. And that step of baptism launches us, if you will, on this road to being a disciple of Jesus. Rebirth, baptism, then number three, to become a partner of this church family, you took a class called Discovering Nags Head Church, and that introduced you to our beliefs and our purposes and our structure and, and our strategy for moving you from wherever you are 
right now in your relationship with Christ for moving you from that spot to becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus. And that's the journey that we're all on. And then once you take that class, you've had this new birth and you've been baptized, you've taken that class and you made a commitment to being part of this body of believers. And that commitment or that covenant, we call it, and and new relationship with, with this family is part of our lifelong journey as disciples. Now, sadly, I think there are some that, that who don't get that. They have this idea that if I have salvation and I belong to a church, then that's it. There doesn't need to be any more beyond that. It doesn't need to go any farther than that. But I'm glad to say that's not the case here. Most of this church really does get it. Discovering life in Christ, our purpose statement says we're reaching people to discover life in Christ Discovering life is, is a never-ending, ongoing process from which we are to never retire. I'm 55 years old. I'll be 56 this year, and, and I know retirement is not too far over the rainbow. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm starting to think about those things, and some of you are already there. You know, Ann Carroll just told me, standing at the door just this morning, she's a school teacher. She says, I'm retiring in June. And I, and, and I said, great. And I said, for real this time, because she did that once before a number of years ago, then got back into teaching after she moved down here. She's going to retire. This is the real deal, right? Real deal. You and Regis, right? Okay. <laughs> but we never retire, and we never retire from following Jesus. That's, that goes to the grave with us. But there are some things, however, that can stop this journey that can bring it to a halt. I'm hoping to do later on this year a series about things that stop us in our journey, things that trip us up, things that get us to turn the wrong way on the road, things that can stop us. One thing that can stop us in our journey is our focus gets off Christ and gets on ourselves. And as a result of our focus being off of Christ and being on me, being on myself, some kind of sin inevitably takes over my life. Oh, it might be, not be something as evil as, as murder or drug addiction. It's usually something like laziness or gossip or materialism or selfishness or jealousy or worry or prayerlessness or idolatry. Idolatry. We don't, we don't have any idols at my house. What are you talking about? An idol, idolatry, is anything in, that takes first place in my life. It becomes my idol. It dethrones Christ in my heart. And first place, what I mean by that is very simply whatever takes priority in my life. Now, if I have no time, if I have no time to spend with God each day in his word and in prayer, but I do have time to spend in front of the TV, I do have time to spend on Facebook, let me ask you a question. What's my priority? Just being honest there, I don't have, I'm just so busy, God. I didn't have time for you today. If it's Sunday and God's word says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, yet I choose instead to go to a ball game. It's, it's for the kids, right? Or, or there's a great swell, so I go surfing. I'm, you know, hey, God, I'm kind of worshiping the creator of the waves today, dude. Or I, or, be, I, or I work because I could use the overtime. You know, my job is supposed to meet my needs, right? Where's my priority? If I pay all my bills and then from what's left over I give to God, 
When God says, I want you to give me the first fruits, I want you to take it off the top, where's my priority? If I have money to spend on things I don't need and maybe on things that aren't good for me, but I say, but you know, God, I just can't afford to give you a tithe, where's my priority? Because Jesus said this, where your treasure is, that's your bank account, that's your whatever you have, what's in your wallet right now, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Our lives are guided by our priorities. What should be my priority? Jesus commanded the apostles to go into the world and make disciples. He said, that is to be your priority. And disciples are what? Well, the word disciple simply means learner. That was to be their priority in this world, to reproduce themselves as Christ followers by reaching non-believers and teaching them when they become believers to follow Jesus. So if you're a believer this morning, I want you to leave here today. My goal as your pastor is for you to walk out the store with a, with a renewed commitment to being a disciple, but not only a disciple, I'm going to challenge some of you this morning to go beyond being just a disciple to being a disciple maker. What are the things here at Nagset? Our, our vision is to, to build disciples and grow disciples and be disciple makers. What are some things that we're doing here that are geared toward helping each of us grow up in Christ? We're going to talk about two levels today. Level number one is corporate worship gatherings. What are we doing to help folks become disciples? Well, level number one is what we're doing right here, right now. Sunday morning, 9 o'clock. And a bunch of things happen when we gather together. And maybe you're not aware of these things, but from my position in in the church, I'm aware of so much that's going on. But I also know what the Bible tells me is going on when we gather together as believers. First of all, we're learning today from God's Word. We're learning together from the Word of God. All of us here today are hearing this same message, whether you come at 9 or you come at 11. And believe it or not, except for Sunday on the 26th of December when I got the word at 8.40 in the morning that I was going to be preaching and didn't know. Believe it or not, the sermons on Sunday, that we, that whether it's me speaking or somebody else, are not just haphazardly thrown together and, and haphazardly planned or prepared. And hearing these messages helps us who belong to this church family. One of the reasons we gather on Sundays like this And so we're hearing the same word of God, we're hearing the same message, and it gets us all to stay on the same page. But, of course, hearing, and we're all hearing, I think everybody here this morning is hearing, and and let me say, if you picked up a a cotton ball this morning, uh, it's a good time now to take it out. But if you are hearing this morning, uh, hearing does not necessarily mean what? Listening, all right? It can be two different things, you know? Gail and I, we're multitaskers, and we can be sitting there with the program on the television, and we both have our laptops open, and we're either doing work or we're chatting with people or whatever, and, and, and last night it happened, and she was watching the movie on TV, and guys, please don't hate me, but last night I sat through two movies on the Hallmark Channel, right, about weddings. And, uh, and, and at one point she say, what did they just say? And I'm in the same room, I'm, I'm sitting eight feet from the television set, and I look at her and say, I don't have a clue. Now, 
Why? Because I, I could hear it, but you know what I wasn't doing? I wasn't listening. It wasn't registering me because I was focused on something else. Just because we hear doesn't mean we listen. And just because we hear and we don't listen, if I hear but I don't listen, guess what else I can't do? I can't respond to what I've heard to what, if I haven't listened to it. And here's the deal about why it's so important to gather with your church family when we gather like this or like when we gather, for example, on First Wednesdays, is you can't hear and you can't listen and there's no way you can respond if what? If you're not present, if you're not here with us. Last week we talked about how we believe the Bible here at Nagshead Church because it is God's inspired word. And, and we looked at the first part of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration. It's God-breathed. But look at the scriptures, at why the scriptures are so vital to us all. That passage goes on. Look with me at the rest. Let's read that, see that next, that verse and the verse that follows. Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Get this now. The Bible, God uses, it says here, God uses it, the scriptures, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So on Sunday morning, we're preaching and teaching the word of God. We're learning from the Bible together. A second thing we're doing this morning, this will get a chuckle from some of you because of what you've just experienced. We're learning from each other's singing we're learning from each other's singing, whether it's, whether it's I'm here this morning and, and, uh, and the band backs off and, and, and Nathan says, church sing, and we hear all these voices, a hundred and more voices singing together, and, and, or it might be we, we're listening to the person who's seated beside us or behind us. We're learning from each other's singing. Why? Singing, what singing does, if you're, if you're, if you're really Singing what's coming from your heart, singing empties your heart with worship like nothing else. And, and seeing the expressions of worship in smiles and in tears and in raised hands and closed eyes and silent reverence, we learn from each other as we sing. But if we're going to do that on Sunday when we gather together, if we're going to learn from each other's singing, guess what we all need to do? Oh, you guys are sharp. This is, I think, is the sharpest 9 o'clock gathering we've had in a long time, Nathan. Usually 9 o'clock, they're dead, all right? You guys are sharp today. You, did y'all switch places with the 11 o'clock people and didn't tell us? If we're going to learn from each other singing, <clears throat> we need to be singing. I know what some of you are saying. Man, I can't sing a lick. I know, and some, and some of you, the truth be told, you're right, you can't. But that doesn't matter. Just being honest, you know, I listen to you as well. And what I learn is next Sunday I sit on the other side of the... God says to make a joyful noise. All right? That's what matters. We learn from each other's singing. Does the Bible say that? Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the teaching of Christ live in you richly. Use all wisdom to teach and instruct each other by what? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but they've got to be sung with thankfulness in your hearts. And we learn from each other 
as we do that. We learn from each other's singing. We learn from the Word of God together. We learn from each other's singing. Number three, we learn as we rub elbows in service. As we rub elbows in service. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. You see, just being with people in social environments, just being around people teaches us how to have the attitude of Christ because he put others first. And when I'm with other people, there's going to be times when I have to decide, am I going to serve myself or am I going to serve them? Am I going to put my interests first or their interests first? And lots of us right now, not so much in this room, but in other places right now in this building. And some of you who are in this room right now are here at nine because at 11, you're going to be serving in some capacity another place in the church. You're serving. And, and, and so lots of people are ministering today in teams and serving. To, and by the way, we always do ministry here in teams. We don't serve alone. Serving with other people, is it always easy? No, it's not always easy. Because when you rub elbows, guess what you get? You get friction sometimes, right? It's not always easy, but I have to learn from those experiences. Even when friction is created, I have to learn from that experience of friction. How am I going to respond to this like Jesus would? So I learn from one another. I learn from you. We learn together when we gather together in service as we rub elbows. Christianity is a contact sport. It was never meant for anyone to, be, to live it out alone. But you can't have that contact if you are not here at the basic level of fellowship. You ever had a a limb in a cast? Anybody ever broke an arm or a leg or even a finger or something like that? You had to wear a cast um, on your ankle, on your foot, whatever it might have been. And suddenly, I saw a guy the other day. I was at a conference, a seminar up in Virginia, and there was a guy there, and uh, he had his arm in a cast, in a sling kind of a thing. And, uh, and, and both of us happened to be in the men's room at the same time, and I saw him go up to the, uh, up to the sink to wash his hands, you know. And, uh, and, and he was trying to wash both his hands, and, and that was really difficult for him to do, you know. And I almost said, can I help you, buddy? You know, but I didn't do that. But it, when you've ever had a, a, a limb in a cast, you realize how important that arm or that leg is to your everyday life. Well, the Bible tells us, you can read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a great spot to read this. The Bible tells us that the church is a body. And when we gather together for worship on Sundays or first Wednesdays, and you're missing, if you're not there, you know what it's like? It's like a limb is in a cast. It's like we've got part of our body that's not being used. Something's missing. Something's not working right. And when something's not working right in the body, and you know if you've had to to walk on crutches because you couldn't use a leg or something, when something's wrong like that in your body, the rest of your body has to do what? Has to compensate for the loss. And when you're not here when you're supposed to be here, the rest of us are doing whatever we can do to compensate for your not being here. You say, am I that important to the body? Jesus, God's word says you are. The Apostle Paul writes and says that you are. Right now we're teaching our children upstairs, in Little K and in Kidmo, they're being taught the importance of gathering together on Sundays with their church family. We teach our middle and high schoolers the importance of gathering together as they come together on Sunday evenings at Contagious. Let me give you a little parenting 101 tip. 
if I can do that for you parents. If you're a parent, one of the best things you can do, ever do for your child, I believe, is to bring them, him or her, to Kidmo or Little K on Sunday mornings or bring them to Contagious Youth on Sunday nights. And I say that because I know that my life personally was radically changed because of the youth group in my church. But you know what? That wouldn't have happened if my parents hadn't insisted that I be there. And I know what some parents say, well, you know, they just don't want to go. Tomorrow morning is Monday, and they're going to wake up, and it's going to be a school day. It's not a school day. Tuesday is going to be a school day. That's one of the great things about Dare County. You only go to school here about half the time, you know. (laughs) You're off last Monday. On a school day, parents, when your kids wake up and they say to you, you know, Mom, I just really don't feel like going to school today. My teacher doesn't like me. There are kids at school. They just kind of pick on me. And and, you you know what? They're serving in the cafeteria today, Mom. Come on. And you say, okay, I don't want you, I don't want to make you do anything you don't want to do. You stay home today. Isn't that how you respond, parents? And the answer is, are you stupid? And the answer is, no, I'm not, because I had three kids. You insist that they go. Why? Because you know it's good for them. Yet I know parents that say, well, my, they just don't want to come on Sunday nights. And my, my response to that as one who has raised three children is, you know, you insist they go to school to learn academics. But what about their spiritual lives? Because let me tell you something. Geometry never changed my life. But you know what did? My church youth group. My church youth group. Took a 15-year-old kid that was, you know, I knew God and, and I knew all about church and all that, but I didn't care. And my parents saw to it that I was plugged into a church youth group that where there were kids that did care, where there's a youth pastor who loved me. And it changed my life. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I was just thinking about this this morning. 40 years ago, I, I got plugged into that church youth group. 40 years ago, January 1971, walked into a church where I did not know a soul. My family moved from East Coast to West Coast. We knew no one. And we walked in that first Sunday, found this church, and we stuck with that church, but did not know a soul. And it changed my life. Because my parents said, you're going to go to youth group. You're going to sing in the youth choir. You're going to go to the youth what they do. You're going to do all that stuff. And I did. And and what's really exciting for me is that the end of April, the 1st of May this year, that youth group, we're all old people now, that youth group, we're having a reunion. We're getting together in Southern California. And I can't wait to go and see those folks and say to them, you changed my life. Some of them are are still my best friends. I was only in that church for not even two years. You changed my life. I want to say, Gail and I got to have dinner with that youth pastor and his wife in New Mexico last year on our trip. I hadn't seen him since the 1970s. And what a thrill to say to that man. You changed my life. And I see parents who say, uh, my kids don't want to go, so they're not going. I want to say to you, do you not understand? You're not getting it. Level one has to be a priority in your life according to God's word. 
And there are all the, always those people, and I hear them all the time, and they ignorantly say, well, you don't have to go to church to love God. Really? Look at this next verse, Hebrews chapter 10, 25. I want you to see what God's word says. You should not stay away from church meetings as some are doing. They had people in the first century that were saying that, well, you don't have to go to church to love God. You should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage one another and do this even more as you see the day coming. What day? The day that Christ returns. That tells me I need to be with God's people as many times as I possibly can, as often as I can. Level one, when the church gathers together. Level number two, specialized points of discovery and training. Our task as pastors here in Nag said Church that God gives us is to help you grow and help you to be equipped. To the Ephesian church, Paul wrote that God gives the church pastors and he gives those pastors a responsibility. And that responsibility, he said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And then he goes on and says, and as the church is equipped and built up, here's what happens in verse 13. So we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. That we will grow up. How do we grow up? We grow up when, we were, when we're equipped to do the ministry. And as we do the ministry, as we're serving, the church is brought into this place of unity. And when that happens, when you raise the level of the water in the harbor, all the boats come up with it. We all mature together. It's our job as pastors to feed you and equip you so that you can learn to feed and equip each, each other as you minister to one another. Well, how do we do that? How do we do this equipping? And how do we help you grow and build disciples at Nagshead Church? And, and unless you mistakenly think it's, it's all about Sundays, I want to I I wipe that thought out of your mind because it's not. This is just such a small part of the total package. How do we do that? One way we do that is through discovery classes. Nagshead Church University, NHCU, is a series of five four-hour classes that are designed to teach our purposes as believers and as a church. And you start out with the very first one is discovering Nagshead Church. And then after you make the commitment after that class to partner with the church, then you can move on to the other classes. And there are classes, uh, for example, the class on godly habits called Discovering the Basics, habits like prayer and, and Bible study and giving and fellowship. Steve teaches that class, Discovering the Basics. Uh, the class Discovering My Ministry about how God has gifted and shaped every believer for service, and, and Tom talks about how God has done that and the gifts that God gives us to, to serve him in ministry. Discovering worship is about how we express our love to God. Discovering my mission is about how we share our faith with non-believers. And each one of those classes is offered several times a year. Two of those were often offered last Sunday afternoon on the February the 20th, the third Sunday of February. Two more classes will be offered. So I hope that you'll check those out. That's the very basic part of what we do, discovery classes. Then we have connection groups. Connection groups are opportunities not only to build relationships and to pray for one another, 
but they also offer Bible, Bible study discussion. There is not a teacher in a connection group. So if you're in a group that has a teacher, you're not in a connection group, right? You're in something else. Connection groups have a, have a, have a leader who facilitates a discussion, a discussion that's at the level that even the youngest of believers can absorb. They're, they're not intended to be extremely in-depth, however. But what they do is they mix older Christians in with younger Christians because that's one of the best ways we learn is from one another and from one another's lives, experiences. And we believe here at Nagshead Church that every partner needs to be in a connection group. And everyone, whether you're a partner in our church, you're an attender in our church, if this is the first time you've ever been to our church, if you've never been to our church, everyone is, is, uh, is invited to join one of our connection groups. They meet throughout the week, mostly in homes. Uh, I know of at least one group that meets in the restaurant. I know of a couple groups that meet here in this building, but throughout the community, and they are the, they are the basic building block of Nags Head Church, connection groups. Now, there's another level. NHCU discovery classes, connection groups. The next level is what we call here Quest Bible Studies. And those are designed for people who are already in a connection group, but they want to add a study with other people who are ready for and can commit to something that is more in-depth. And typically, a Quest Bible study has someone who is a teacher, although they might be led by a mature believer, but oftentimes they have someone who's a gifted teacher. And that, this is a place where, and I'm one, where well, where do gifted people who are gifted with the gift of teaching, where do they plug in and and that's where they plug in. I don't lead a connection group right now, and, uh, but I attend one, and I'm part of one, and I enjoy it very much. They don't replace connection groups, but they are an added study and require a greater commitment of your time. An example uh, would be last summer, a, a large group of our ladies, 20, 25 or so ladies, met uh, here, I think, on Monday nights and did a Quest Bible study and used Beth Moore as their teacher. And we're always open for more of those kind of studies to form and, and start. But again, they're not in place of connection groups. They are in addition to connection groups. Then there's another level, bring it up another level, and those are CLIs, Christian Life Intensives. And a Christian Life Intensive is more of a classroom teaching style. For those who like that kind of thing, it, it, it's a, an approach to either a doctrine or our scripture passage, a scripture book, or a specific topic of some kind. And again, in addition to connection groups, and usually a, a CLI oftentimes includes some kind of a textbook, and, and many of them have homework and that kind of thing. Uh, we've had CLIs on Christian womanhood, on how to get the, the most out of your Bible. Uh, we had one, the last one that I taught was on biblical church leadership, and we've got one I, I mentioned earlier in the gathering all about salvation that starts on February 9th, Christian Life Intensives. And then there's another level of how we equip and how we teach and how we grow. And those are through the opportunities of, of conferences and retreats. I mentioned one earlier in our announcements about this ladies' one-day conference in Williamston that the speaker is from the Proverbs 31 Ministries, which is a great ministry to women. And conferences and retreats give us an opportunity when we go to those oftentimes to hear multiple speakers in a short time. It may be a Friday night, Saturday, you may hear two or three different speakers. And, and sometimes we host those here. Uh, sometimes we travel to go to them. And we've been to and we've hosted men's conferences and retreats and women's conferences and retreats. Um, we had a prayer conference here 
uh, a couple of years ago. And we've had an apologetics conference here before. We've done marriage conferences. We've done parenting conferences. And so we're always looking for opportunities like that. This year, our hope our, our, in, our, in our vision this year is to host our own men's and women conferences uh, probably coming this fall. So that's one of our, our goals. And all of these things... Connection groups, or, or, um, discovery classes, connection groups, Quest Bible studies, CLIs, conferences and retreats, they are all opportunities for you to be built up as a disciple, a fully devoted follower of Christ. But there's one more, and this is the one that I really hope will mushroom, and, and it, but it seems to be the one that gets the least involvement so far. And I think really as I think about this next level, I think it really is a cure for something that's almost typical in Christians' lives, yet is totally opposite of what should happen. And here's what typically takes place in our lives as Christians, and I've been a Christian for 44 years or so, here's, and I've seen this in my own life and the lives of many of you is that the farther we move from the time of our new birth, when we discover life in Christ, we meet Jesus as Savior, the farther in time that we move from that time in our lives, the slower we tend to grow. And what I've noticed is newborn believers grow rapidly. They, they really can't seem to get enough of God's word and be enough around God's people and learning all this new stuff. Do you remember that time in your life when you couldn't get enough of Christ, when you couldn't read enough Bible, when you couldn't get enough teaching and you hungered for it, the psalmist wrote, like a deer panting after water. Do you remember that time in your life? But then something happened. You, you learned the basics and maybe you went around the bases and, and you probably have joined a connection group even and, and, and found a ministry team. But what you have seen happen in your life is that your passion for growing has kind of waned. Maybe even come to a halt. What happened? What broke? I think I know the secret to energizing believers who aren't brand new folks who have been around the block, folks who have walked with Christ for a while, but they've slowed down. Paul told Timothy, who was a younger man in the faith, he said, Timothy, I want you to invest your life in helping younger believers grow. And here at Nag Said Church, we call that, that's the next level, that's really the highest level, we call that coaching. It's one maturing believer taking a younger maturing believer under his or her wing and helping him or her learn what it means to follow Christ. Look what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. He said, Entrust this message, Timothy, to faithful individuals who will be competent to teach others. And what he was saying was this. Every mature Christian should be coaching a younger, less mature believer who is, I like this acronym, who is fat. Now, don't look at the person beside you, all right? Who is fat? You know what fat stands for, F-A-T? Faithful, available, and teachable. You find somebody who's faithful, who's available, and teachable, and here's what happens. As you meet with this younger, regularly meet with this younger believer, you'll have to be ready yourself to answer those questions that every younger believer has. And because you have to be ready, that makes you go back to the Word and makes you start digging for those answers. And suddenly, you realize your own sword becomes sharper. 
and your desire to see this, this one that you're coaching, you, your desire to see that, that guy, that girl grow gives you a renewed passion for the word yourself and you realize I'm growing too. And then after a while, maybe a year or so of regularly meeting together and praying together and studying together, some amazing things happens and, and it's time to kick the baby bird out of the nest, so to speak, and let him or her fly on their own. And then what happens is this, the one that you've been mentoring, the one that you've been coaching takes on a younger believer and you take on another one yourself. And so now where there were two of you, now there are four. And a year later, the four of you, you divide again. And now instead of four of you, now there are 16. And a year later, in in the fourth year, all of a sudden, 16 times 16 becomes 256 of you doing this. And guess what happens in the fifth year? We're not adding, we're multiplying here. And in the fifth year, in just five years, what has started with two has the potential to become a number greater than the population of Dare County. Five years. You say, wow. But you know what? Could, could that happen, Rick? Sure. But it will never happen unless some of us here today take the challenge to be coaches. Here's an observation. Just an observation. I don't, I don't read this in the scripture anywhere. Just an observation from years of being a Christian, years of being a pastor. I've never heard of a Christian who is coaching a younger believer say, I'm not being fed here. I've heard people say that before. But I've never heard a Christian who is coaching a younger believer make that statement. You know why? It's because that Christian has learned how to feed himself or herself. And not only that, but they're feeding another. And they've learned more than anybody else, I think, this Christian life that we live is not about me. Why? Because they're doing what Jesus did. They are investing in others. We're committed here at Nags at Church to help you grow. We're committing to, committed to helping you parents disciple your children. That's not our job, that's yours. But we want to help. We're committed to helping youth in middle school and high school make it through what could be the best time of their spiritual growth in their entire lives. And I say that because that's my testimony. It can be. So that answer at the end of your notes that's there, that's been there the last three weeks and will be there through this series, that that question at the end of your notes, what will I do this year? How will you answer this? What will I do this year to join my church in fulfilling this part of our vision? How will you mature this year? How will you help the rest of us grow in Christ? Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, you want us to become like your son Jesus. You told us that's your will in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for us to be conformed to the image of your son. You said it again in Ephesians chapter 4 that the measure of spiritual maturity is Jesus. And you want us to pursue him and be like him. And you've given us some opportunities here, God. May we, may we live these out. May we do our best as pastors to equip our our flock, your flock, to be fully mature, devoted followers of Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. 
This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.